Thank you very much. It is uh, a pleasure to be with you. It's uh, interesting that we should be talking about taxes this morning. Uh, certain uh, of our leaders have uh, found themselves in a little difficult moment, uh, I think, on that uh, front. It's interesting, isn't it, that when you come to read Scripture, you're tempted to assume that the chapters and verses are there to help you. Well, well, they are, in a sense, just to tell you where things are, but they were never really meant to help you understand how the Scripture was put together. This story that began, uh, that we read today in chapter 19 of Luke's Gospel begins with Jesus entering Jericho and passing through. It says that there was a man by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was the chief tax collector. I suppose he could have another name today, but we'll move on. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Now, as a visiting rabbi, it was the custom of the city that the most prominent individual in the city would offer hospitality to a visiting rabbi for one night. Jesus had refused this hospitality since the text tells us clearly that he was passing through. You can then understand the offence that is caused when Jesus will later return to the city with a man like, and you could put any other name in you'd like, but here, a man like Zacchaeus. You can understand why those who were of a religious and proprietary nature are insulted by this move, let alone who it is that he has gone to be with. And it's easy, isn't it, to become offended by the grace that God gives to others, his lack of judgment, his, lack of, his great inclusivity, as he draws all others into his love. As a result, Jesus has left the uh, city and he has traveled by this point at least 50 meters. And you say, Wes, you weren't there. How do you know? Well, it's very simple. If you know your pharisaical law, and let's face it, there's a little bit of a Pharisee in most of us every now and again, but if you know your Pharisaical law, this is what was to happen. The sycamore fig tree was a tree of a, a, it was a short, thick trunk, and it was used by and large for house building. It had big leaves, but it had very poor fruit, very low sugar content in its fruit. And so it was by and large either left to rot or it was left for the poor to gather. It became a nesting place for birds, and without, on a Sunday morning, spoiling your dinner, there was a consequence of having a tree where many birds nested. And therefore, because of its unclean state, the rabbis ordered that the sycamore fig tree should be planted not within 50 metres of the city boundary. Jesus had already not only left the city, but he had left the city precincts as well. So his return was designed, I guess, to cause some comment. 
And then he comes to Zacchaeus. And you can imagine Zacchaeus, had it been on film, he would have said, of all the sycamore trees in all the world, you have to come and stand under mine. Life has driven Zacchaeus up a messy, rotting fig tree. And life can do that. It can move us to a place that we never intended, but that's where we end up. But he climbs the fig tree for a very specific reason. He climbs the tree, and I, if you remember, anybody remember the Sunday school song that goes with this? Now Zacchaeus was a... And a very... Yeah, okay, I won't get you into a new liturgy. Um, you and I have both given our age away, but let's not worry about that now. But Zacchaeus climbs the tree because he's too small to see Jesus over the crowd, and nobody's going to let him through. The man has a reputation. Do you meet people who've got a reputation? You know, they're the person who. I was preaching at a church, and uh, I was... Uh, talking to a lady, and I said, oh, uh, hi, how are you? I said, uh, who are you? And she said, if you ask other people around here, I'm the lady who, and she told me her story. And she had never been allowed to live beyond that story. Because it's, you know, people pick up a reputation. However, just in the course of what's going to happen Jesus stands under Zacchaeus's tree. There is no record of Jesus knowing who Zacchaeus was or being told. So you have to assume that it's the result of a conversation between the father and the son. Can you imagine that conversation? As Jesus is walking down the road, the father says, uh, son, and he says, yes, father. He says, there's a man in a fig tree up here and he thinks we can't see him. His name is Zacchaeus. Why don't you go and stand under the fig tree and frighten the hell out of him? Which actually, if you think theologically, is exactly what happened. And Jesus stands under the tree, calls Zacchaeus down, and he extends to him what nobody else has extended to him. He's extended the offer of table fellowship. He says, I must come to your house. In Jewish tradition, that's one of the highest honors you can pay somebody to have them eat in your home. As a result, um, it says today that uh, Jesus says that salvation has come to this house as a result of the interaction that we have partially, but nevertheless, it's a full account. In fact, it's Tyndale in his translation of this passage. Doesn't use the word salvation. He uses the other side of the healing word, sozo, and he says today healing has come to this house. So let me take you back to the beginning. This story does not begin in chapter 19, verse 1. This story begins in chapter 18, verse 35. Do you know, I, did, I thought you might pick up a Bible now and think, I'm going to check this out. I don't trust him at all. Well, it does, just trust me. And it begins with these words. As Jesus approached Jericho. Remember, you have in chapter 9 had Jesus passing through and have left Jericho. Here in this story, you have Jesus arriving at Jericho. And it's there, Luke records, a blind man was sitting by the roadside. 
Now, for the Jews coming to Jericho, they would have heard something else. They would have remembered the words of Joshua chapter 6, when Jericho is defeated, and Joshua pronounces with a solemn oath, "'Cursed before the Lord is the one who undertakes to rebuild this city, Jericho.' At the cost of his firstborn son, he will lay its foundations, and at the cost of the, the, his youngest, he will set up its gates. Not good news for a Sunday morning. But they would have also gone to 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 34. It's the story just before Elijah and the rain and the storm and all of those sort of things that will come. And it says in Ahab's time, Heel of Bethel rebuilt Jericho. He laid its foundations at the cost of his firstborn son, Abiram. And he set up its gates at the cost of his youngest son, Segub, in accordance with the word of the Lord spoken by Joshua, the son of Nun. Just bear in mind, Jesus is going to come through two gates. You're invited by the text to think about that. Now, before you think that God, seeing what was going to happen, got a little bit antsy and decided he'd sort of take it out on somebody. Let me explain another thing for you. It is quite common in the day when Hiel of Bethel built the gates, what they used to do is this. If they perceived that the gods had given them any success, they would often engage in human sacrifice, normally of their children. You see, sometimes, in keeping with the practices that Israel had taken from the surrounding nations, the pagan practices, sometimes the Bible is not prescriptive, it is simply descriptive. It's just simply saying, this is what some rather strange individual did. It doesn't say, this is what God wanted doing. So let me bring you back to the gates. Here at the first gate, he encounters Bartimaeus. It is actually Mark who adds his name into uh, the narrative. And Bartimaeus just refuses that life cannot be changed. Jesus of Nazareth becomes Jesus' son of David. There is no record in the text of him being told that fact. In fact, he's told it's Jesus of Nazareth. And though blind, God gives him a particular sight that he is able to be, uh, see beyond the reality that is there to the greater reality that is the Son of God. It's interesting, isn't it? We find in the healing ministry, when one way is shut down, God finds another way to get through. It's encouraging for us just when we think nothing's going to change here, we have a little saying, and it's just, but God. Nothing may change, but God. I watched a woman with kyphosis, curvature of the spine. I watched her straighten up in front of my eyes as the ACORN team prayed for her in the name of Jesus. In fact, it was one of those moments when uh, God spoke to us as we prayed and said, don't touch her, let me do it by myself. Isn't that rather nice? So we did. And we simply said, we pray in the name of Jesus, 
that your spine would straighten and that healing would come to you. And as sure as you're sitting there, I watched it with my own eyes. Ten minutes later, she came back, and I thought, oh, gosh, what have we done? And she said, can I tell you something? I said, yes, by all means. She says, my friend says I'm taller than she is now. You see, Bartimaeus sees this rabbi as more than others have seen him. And he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And I'd like to put a thing to you. I know that we are, um, you know, behaving ourselves this morning, but is it your time to cry out? If in order to reach and encounter the Son of God, would it be your time this morning to cry out to God? To say, God, there is nothing else that can happen here unless you do it. So let me bring you just back to the narrative. Jesus has met Bartimaeus, and as you will read when you uh, go back home, what happens at the end of the story is Bartimaeus having received sight, and I believe you're going to be dealing with that tonight in some way or other. It says that Bartimaeus followed Jesus on the road. You're invited to think about what happens to him after that, because he's clearly with Jesus when he finds Zacchaeus. In fact, from this point on, he will be with Jesus up to the cross. And that's what he will see with his own eyes. Think about it. The first thing Bartimaeus saw with his own eyes was Jesus as his eyes were opened. And Bartimaeus continues to follow Christ. So in this narrative, then Bartimaeus will be there with the encounter with Zacchaeus. And the truth for both of these people is this. As the resurrection will tell us at the end of Holy Week, if death can change, anything can change. If death can change, anything can change. And that's the basis of the Christian healing ministry. If death can change, anything can change. Yes, I know we have our disappointments. But it doesn't stop us pressing on into the goodness of God. You see, we've had a story about two men. Both were impacted by money, one through the lack of it and one through the abundance of it. They both faced issues of sickness, one on the outside and one on the inside of life. Both, strangely, had sight issues. One could not see at all, and as a result was virtually destitute. One could not see straight, and his wealth drew him to a life of deception. Both had been failed by religion, or had failed at religion. Bartimaeus for being unacceptable, and Zacchaeus for being undesirable. But both had been unable to access help and change because others would not let them. They were unsuitable candidates for the Redeemer's mercy. And as a result, both became isolated and marginalized. One was a victim, 
the other was a victimizer. And the direction of travel for both of them was permanently fixed. Yet both had a sense of hope. One because he hoped he'd find someone who would take pity on him. And the other because he hoped that somebody would find him to take pity on him. We don't know how both men ended up where they were. But I was struck by this simple fact. That they both had an encounter with Jesus in a city that had become a place of the curse. And Christ arrived and he broke that curse and both men's lives were transformed. One healing occurred as Jesus entered the city. The other occurred as he left. For Bartimaeus, he decided on hearing that Jesus was close, he would do anything necessary to be seen. Zacchaeus, on the other hand, hearing that Jesus was close, decided he'd do anything he could to see him. For Bartimaeus, the crowd was his problem, but he left everything to get to Jesus. For Zacchaeus, the crowd was the problem, and he gave everything up after he'd met Jesus. Even his non-dom tax status, I guess. So what is that for us today? Well, I'd just like to leave you with this simple phrase. At the end of Holy Week, we are going to celebrate the fact that on the cross and in the tomb, Christ rose again. You will celebrate with passion and commitment and conviction. And I'd like to suggest to you that if death can change, anything can change. It is the story of these two men. It is my story. And it is also your story. If death can change, anything can change. The person next to you can change. The person whose name now you'd rather not think about can change. There's a man called Miroslav Volf. He's a a theologian uh, in uh, Serbia. And he says this. He says, God has as much mercy on the oppressor as he does on the oppressed. Talk about a challenge to us. But if death can change, anything can change. So let us pray. Before I hand over to Arisha, I'd like you to think about the one thing that for you now represents the unchangeable. Maybe it's children that you no longer are in touch with. Maybe grandchildren that you're concerned for. Maybe a health issue that if things take its natural course, then life will be difficult. Maybe this morning it's finance. Maybe the job that you have is no longer secure. You know, we come to church, yes, to be educated, yes, to be encouraged, yes, to be equipped. But we come to encounter the presence of Jesus. So let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth,
the son of David, we bring to you the things that we now carry in heart and mind as unchangeable. And I ask today, Holy Spirit, that you would come. You would breathe your life upon us and into us. Or for those whose needs are of body today, I speak out the healing presence of the Lord Jesus Christ upon body and mind and spirit today. Lord, for those whose lives are marked by broken relationships and sorrow, Lord, we ask for mercy and help, the transforming love of God in us and through us. Father, thank you on the cross. Jesus makes a way that no one else could do. Lord, there was a way for Bartimaeus, there was a way for Zacchaeus, and there is a way for us this day. And this we ask in his name. Amen.